I don't know. If I was not an influencer, I would be so annoyed by influencers. <laughs> and I know I would be so annoyed by influencers because like I have so much flexibility. I get to travel like all around the world for free. I get to work with my favorite brands. Like I, my, I have a dream job, like actually a dream job. And like people will say there are, you know, there are hard parts and there are cons and there are things that are difficult sometimes. It is a job at the end of the day, but like really very few cons (laughs) in my experience. And like, I would, that would just be so annoying if I was like working, you know, a corporate job and I was seeing that, I would just be like, you suck. (laughs) Like, you're so annoying for that, you know? Yeah. Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of Vulnerable. I am your host, Chelsea Vaughn. And today's episode is a special one because it is my first episode that I'm recording in my new podcast studio. Um, I've been on my couch in my makeshift office in my apartment for the first 10 episodes. And now we're turning a new leaf. I signed with a new podcast network. I'm really excited. The office is adorable. And The episode today is also very exciting because I have my friend Kit Keenan here in studio with me and we're going to talk about influencing and this is an episode that I've wanted to do since I even thought about having a podcast because when I do my Sunday like Q&As every week on Instagram, I always ask you guys like fun, interesting questions, whatever and I asked one about influencers and it was literally like the most responses ever. And I think people are just really interested in this job and in this industry in general because a lot of people aren't super transparent about it or what happens. So I was like, okay, let me ask my, I mean, Kit is like obviously my friend from The Bachelor. Um, She was on my season, Match Aim season, but she's also been an influencer in New York from since before I knew her. So I wanted to have her on and talk about how she even started influencing and what she thinks are the biggest changes that have happened since she started. Not only is Kit an influencer, she's also really big into cooking. And her bio on Instagram says that she's a young Martha Stewart stuck in Blair Waldorf's plotline. So I love that because if you guys don't know, Kit's mom is Cynthia Rowley, um, who is a very big fashion designer. And So she doesn't just influence, she does a lot of cooking and it's called What's Kit Cooking on her page. She's done partnerships with Tastemade and she calls her followers her little chef. So it's really cute. She does recipes like once a week and I know that she's really passionate about cooking and about culinary stuff as well. Um, And then just like, I don't know, what we, how we feel about the job, how we feel about being called the word influencer some racial disparities. I mean, Kit is a white blonde girl and I am the opposite of that. So I really wanted to talk to her about that and kind of like what the differences are for creators of color. So we touched on all of that. And then at the end, we did some advice where we tell it like it is. And I hope you guys love it. It was a really great episode and it's really fun being in the studio. I feel so official and just to chat with a friend. So without further ado, here is Kit Keenan. 
Okay, Kit Keenan, welcome to Vulnerable. I'm so excited to be here. We've got Kit in the actual studio today. <laughs> Wait, it's amazing. It's beautiful. I'm my first guest. I'm so, so happy it's you. Um, so I start all of my episodes out with a pop culture moment. And since we're talking about influencing today, I feel like this is like literally the perfect intersection. Um, did you hear about the Mayal hair oil and Alex Earl drama on TikTok? I heard a little bit about it. I didn't actually hear that it was tied to Alex Earl. I just saw that there were several white influencers who were like being like, okay, I'm going to give away this product that I ordered um, because I guess the stock was like getting super low. Yeah. I didn't even see the giveaway part. So basically whoever, for everyone who hasn't seen it, Mayel is a hair oil specifically designed by a black woman for textured hair. And it doesn't even just say like textured hair. Like it's literally like this is a product for black people. And Alex Earl, she made a TikTok that was about like her favorite products from 2022. And that's normal. Like a lot of people made TikToks like that. And she said that she saw a lot of hair growth when she used this oil. And like, that's a normal thing to do. Like, I don't fault her for that at all. And I don't think she thought anything of it um, until a lot of black people and creators in the comments were like, okay, we have barely any products that are just for us. Like now this is going to sell out and like now the price is going to go up because you're exposing this to all your followers. I don't even know how many followers she has, but I think it's a lot of millions. Yeah. Um, Growing and, every day. Yeah. It's insane. And I think that I just thought it was so interesting because I feel like I'm kind of like on the fence about how I feel about it just because it is a black owned brand. So on the one hand, I'm like, it's amazing that it got like all of this exposure and that it's going to get a lot of sales because of this controversy or whatever. But then it's like, okay, if it does sell out now because people that it's not made for their hair are buying it and then the price goes up and then, you know, somebody else like a bigger brand, Pantene or something like buys the rights to it and then they change the formula because like this happens a lot. So I think that's what a lot of black women were saying in the comments is that like when something blows up like this, then the formulas change and then it's not the same and then it's like kind of like a sellout thing, which isn't the creator's fault at all. But it's just kind of like you have to be mindful of that when you have that many millions of followers and you like post something. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on the whole I think subject? it's like I think it's a double-edged sword too, because I do agree that like somebody with that amount of followers posting your product could completely change a business and like take it from more of like a mom and pop type business to literally like a global brand. Yeah. Um, so I do think that it's like you could look at it as a major gift to that company to have her post for free when she would be making like over a hundred K per right. post. Um, but then at the same time, like I do get the, the scarcity of the product would be like super hard for people if there isn't like another alternative to it. So I think, yeah, I think there's multiple ways to look at it. I don't know if like Alex Earl is to blame though, or yeah. if it's just about like the the product itself being available. Yeah, I think there's a lot of layers here just because like everyone's been to a Target or a Walmart and seen the hair section. Black people get a shelf, white people get two aisles. Like yeah. it's just it's just not fair or even. So it's kind of just like 
I understand where black people are coming from where it's like, damn, we have like 10 products that work for us and you guys have aisles of stuff. Like, can you just leave ours alone kind of thing? Yeah. And then on the other hand, it's like, it's not really this girl's fault. She, this hair oil worked for her hair. So she was just trying to help people out and be like, this hair works for my hair. Like this hair oil works for my hair. Um, But I think where the issue with me comes in is that there were a lot of white creators like posting the hair oil after she said that she used it and loved it or whatever and saying like, uh, this doesn't work. So like just like talking shit about the product and you're like, yeah, it doesn't work because it's not made for you. Yeah. That's like me putting on (laughs) self-tanner and being like, I didn't get any darker. Like what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. So it's just like that's where it's just, I don't know. That's why it's such a complicated thing because it's like, okay, it's not – Alex Earl's fault that, you know, companies, when when this happens, like, they'll sell to a bigger brand and then, the, like, the formula changes. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I don't know, it's just very complex. But I do think that when you have that many followers, kind of everything you have to post, which sucks for her, but whatever, like, kind of everything you have to think about that you're posting is, it's your responsibility to think about, like, the impact it could have. Yeah, totally. And I also think it's layered because there has been a lot of discourse around her growth specifically and how like there are get ready with me influencers that don't look like her or just like aren't Mm. a white pretty blonde girl that have been using that format for a longer time and just did not get that amount of growth. Yeah. Um, And how like the algorithm can be super biased And so I think that's also, like, I would imagine that's probably where some of the anger is coming from, too, because it is, like, it must be so hard for, like, creators that are people of color to watch her, like, grow that quickly. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, too, because I want to talk about it later. But I do first want to talk about, like, how you got into influencing in the first place and when you started, because... Everyone, a lot of people probably think like, oh, you became an influencer after The Bachelor, like I did. But you were influencing long before, long before that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So like, how did you get started and what was it like? Because I feel like the industry, and you tell me, has changed a lot. Yeah, it definitely, definitely has. I'm laughing just because like, I feel like I've had so many different eras (laughs) and I've been looking back at them recently just to like, make funny videos about them and stuff and, like, judge my old Instagram posts because they're actually, like, I should have been, like, banned from Instagram. (laughs) Um, I started posting, like, more of my outfits and, like, lifestyle stuff when I was in high school. And I definitely, like, grew a following. But I was also kind of, like, promiscuous. (laughs) with my posts at the time. Like what? And so I was just like, I don't know like what word to use, but like I was not being appropriate for a high school student. And like literally my, I had to block my entire family on Instagram at the time because I like didn't want them to see my posts. So I gained like a bigger male audience. Oh. And then I moved to LA for college Wait, what years in high school did you start? Like, what years are we talking about? Like, my junior and senior year, I started, like, really posting, like, my outfits and stuff. No, like, what year was it? Oh, um, I guess 2016, okay. 2017. Got it. Um, And then 
I went to USC for college for two years. And when I was living in LA, I started like going through this metamorphosis and I was really into health and fitness. And so I started sharing that side of my life and my recipes started to come in a little bit, but it was very health and wellness focused. And I was doing like sharing workout content and stuff like that. So my brand completely changed from like this Insta baddie, like promiscuous girl (laughs) with my outfits to then like a health and wellness girl kind of when I was in LA. Are all of those posts archived or like if I wanted to scroll back, could I see them? But most of them I really (laughs) did have to archive because they were like so embarrassing. But I posted one on, on TikTok recently that I could not believe. Like I was looking back and I found it in my camera roll. I posted like this artistic photo shoot that my friend and I did, just the two of us. And I was like literally holding a banana in a very like sexual way. And I just cannot believe I like posted that. But that's what got my entire family blocked on Instagram because my grandma like freaked out about that specific post, which I would too, like if my granddaughter was doing that. At like 16. Literally. But um, yeah. And then when I when I moved back to New York um, and I transferred to NYU, my mindset around health and fitness changed a lot. And I think it became just a lot like I was more about moderation and just being like in love with cooking and spending time in the kitchen um, rather than being like health and fitness focused, like weight Mm. loss focused and all of that. So I started sharing my recipes that had, that weren't like, within a specific diet. Yeah. It was just like things that I love to cook. I feel like even since I've known you, which has only been two years, like you've changed so much and like had this multiple different eras. Cause I feel like when the show was on and I first started following you, like, yeah, there was a lot of fashion content and there still is, but you did do a lot of like fitness and workout stuff. And now it's heavily like cooking and I kind of love that about you and about your page because I feel like I get stuck in like, well, I should have a niche. Like I, if people follow me because I'm a model, like I should just post modeling content or like if people follow me because of The Bachelor, I should just post like that kind of content. And then I'm like, we are all full whole people. Mm -hmm. I'm allowed to have multiple different interests and post about like different things if I want. So I love that you like just keep evolving and keep posting about other things you love. I also just don't think that's like, a good strategy to be in this industry long term because yeah. eventually like like let's say for example if Alex Earl just decided to constantly post like get ready with me's forever eventually that format would just not be successful anymore yeah. and like it would just go out of it will go out of style at some point and like she's going to have to figure out what's next like what the next development of her brand is. Mm -hmm. And I just think like for me, there part part of it is because like I'm going through this metamorphosis. So I'm sharing that with my audience. But part of it is also because I'm like, okay, eventually they're just gonna get bored if I continue to put out the same content. Yeah. But I also think that it just makes sense for being genuine and authentic. Yeah. Like the genuine version of myself is growing and evolving and has multiple different things that I like to do. And so I think people connect more deeply with someone who 
has a lot of different facets and shows you all of them. It's like, I really feel like I know you when I'm on your page because you show me different versions and sides of you. So that's like definitely something I'm trying to work on this year and caring less about like what I put up. Cause like, I kind of envy people like our friend Serena who just like records whatever she wants, throws up whatever she wants, hit posts. Like, and I've been with Anna Redmond too, where she'll just be like, you're taking too long on this TikTok. Like, stop being a perfectionist. Like, just post it. Like, just yeah. post it. And I'm like trying to be better about that because I'm like, it's it's honestly not that serious. I do <laughs> think TikTok especially is like meant for that type of content yeah. because there used to be like when I first like transferred over to TikTok, mm-hmm. I feel like I was so. Like, if a post didn't do well, I was like, oh, my God, I need to delete this. It's so embarrassing. Yeah. And now I'm just, like, leaving everything up. Even if it doesn't do as well as my other videos, I don't care because it's, like, things will start – will get views and likes later. Like, after it'll be up for a few weeks or even a few months, like, videos will, like, just randomly pop off. So I just think it's, like – you got to be less hard on yourself when yeah. it comes to TikTok especially. For sure. Um, I mean, TikTok didn't even exist when you first started, obviously. But what other ways do you feel like the whole influencing thing has changed since, the, I guess, 2016 when you started just like posting? Well, at that time, like when I first started posting like my outfits and stuff, it was very much the era of like, also because I was in the New York influencer scene Mm -hmm. which was different from like what was going on in LA but in New York it was like literally a group of like 10 major creators like it was Ariel Charnas, Danielle Bernstein like the bit OG fashion like Rocky Barnes fashion bloggers OG and they basically like ruled the entire industry in New York (laughs) and they were also like breaking into the fashion world in a way that like the fashion world was super resistant to at the time Um, and that has changed so much because now it's like brands really rely on influencers to sell product Um, and like you see huge fashion houses like Chanel and you know Longchamp and Prada and Gucci, like everyone has influencers now and like influencer collabs, influencer trips even. Um, And at that time it was like influencers were like begging to go to fashion shows. Now they're sitting front row um, and like getting paid to work with the brand. So that is a major, major change. I also think at the time it was like, 10 people basically running the whole industry. Yeah. And now it's so, there's so many more creators and so many people who like this is their full time job. Um, so the industry is just more saturated now, which I also think like the attitude towards that fact started off as being like very scarcity mindset. Like I remember me like talking to people about it and they were like, like, I don't want anyone else like doing this. Like it's going to get too saturated. We won't Mm -hmm. be able to do this forever, whatever, whatever. And now I think like people are seeing like there is space for everyone. Everyone has their own like thing and value that they share with their audience. And like it, it, you're not going to get like 
kicked off. Like right. if you have if you have a community that's like you know, trusts you and even if it's not like the biggest community ever, I'm more focused on like having a devoted audience that trusts me rather than like more and more and more followers because I just don't think that like that is as sustainable. I agree with you there for sure. And I think it's one thing that I envy about people that were influencers or content creators on their own, like you or like even like Caroline, Vasana, like people that grew a genuine audience and have devoted followers that Mm. just follow them and love them for who they are. And like, for example, me, obviously I'm not complaining about getting a following thrown at me from a reality TV show, but people aren't devoted to me like that. Like people followed me because they thought I was pretty and like was a cool model on a show they watched for a minute. And as like easily as it came, it's a fleeting audience because they're not like connected to me in that way. And I think a lot of them did follow, like find me because of the show and then like continue to follow me because they like who I am, but it's not really the same as people who just followed you because of of you. Yeah. So I feel like that's kind of like the weird line that I'm at right now because it's like I am constantly losing followers, which is fine. I feel like that's like a, a product of just being on the show. Like I, I can't stop that. Mm-hmm. But if I'm losing people that we're going to, you know, we're going to go anyway, like don't care about me like that, then that's cool. And then like hopefully like things like the podcast, like we'll make more room for people that actually get to know me on a deeper level and come in that way. So I feel like it's kind of like a switching out for people that actually know who I am. (laughs) Yeah, I do think that's like a really, that's an important thing to think about because like for me being on The Bachelor, obviously I gained followers, but I don't know if those are the same people that like are my ride or dies. I think a lot of it is, again, like people that maybe discovered me from the show and some of them will stay because they like my content. Right. But I think sometimes if you do a reality TV show like that and you gain followers, sometimes it's just like people who want to be in the loop with kind of what's going on on the show or like in Bachelor world. Yeah. For a little bit, and then once you start to distance yourself from that, it's like there's no point in following this person anymore yeah. for them. It's almost like quality over quantity. Yeah. Like I I don't want to chase having a shit ton of followers. Like I want the quality ones that are going to be ride or dies. And I've talked to Kat Shea about this too because she's from Love Island and it's another show and it's like we both kind of feel the same way about that where it's like our audience wants to hear about dating, who we're dating, and the show we were on. Other than that, it's like they don't really care that much. Um, so yeah, I just think it's interesting that you said that because I think you do have your – you already started with – I don't remember. I think you had like 50K or something beforehand. So like you have the, those core people already, mm-hmm. which is just nice. Do you think that when you first started, the word influencer had such a negative connotation? Because I feel like now, like a lot of people don't like to say that they are an influencer mm-hmm. and it just – it has a negative tone. Like people, like if you just say, oh, I'm an influencer, people are are immediately like, ugh, you know? Yeah. And I also think that there's a difference between influencer and content creator. So I feel like I just wanted to hear your opinion on that. Like, do you think there's a difference in the 
in the vocabulary. Yeah. I mean, when I started, like, the word influencer wasn't even really a thing. Mm. It was basically blogger. Blogger was, like, everyone who creates content online was a blogger. And then the word influencer came along, and influencer was, like, so icky at the time. (laughs) And I remember, like, I would do you know, little interviews here or there, like anything media related. And when I was in college and like, I remember my mom always being like, just say like you're a college student and like you're something else or like, like, let's just think of another word, entrepreneur, (laughs) like all this stuff. Um, And even like when I was on The Bachelor, like they didn't put influencer there. They put like fashion entrepreneur or something like that. Um. Because the word influencer was, like, so icky. Yeah. And now, like, I even, like, I took on PR this past year. And even, like, for some of the stuff they pitch me on, they don't use the term influencer. And, like, for me, I'm, like, so comfortable with that word. Like, I think I'm so lucky to do what I do. And I love the term influencer and I embrace it. Like that is my job. That's what I do. But like, I do think sometimes when I'm introducing myself to people who I don't feel like are familiar with the industry, um, I might say something else. Like even like when I, for example, when I'm going on like first dates with people, sometimes I'll say I work in social media instead of saying I'm an influencer. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that is because I feel like some guys that like don't get it at all might be scared of the fact that I'm an influencer. And then partially I'm also like, maybe they just like wouldn't even know what that is really, or like what that entails. So I just say I work in social media, but like most of the time when I'm meeting people, I just say, yeah, I'm an influencer. Yeah. I feel like I struggle with the word. I don't know. I'm just a person that likes to categorize myself. Yeah. And I think that for so long, I was just like, I'm a model. And yeah. I felt comfortable saying that. I felt like I was a model. I am a model, obviously, but I am more than just a model now. Like I have other different jobs and like my main source of income is influencing. But I think why I struggle with the word is because I feel like, like I feel like you are an influencer. Like I feel like you genuinely influence a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And not that I don't, but I don't feel like it's like in the same way. <laughs> like I, you definitely influence people. But I don't know. But I is just, that like some sort of like I just feel like that's just like some imposter syndrome. Maybe. Like am I being like self-deprecate? Like I understand that I have a large audience and that if I say something, it could hold weight, but I just don't feel like it's the same as like, I don't know, maybe it's that loyal audience thing. Like I feel like if you, if we post this podcast and people are going to comment and be like, oh my God, Kit, where'd you get your like lip gloss from? Where's your shirt from? And a bunch of people will buy it. Like I don't feel like I have that same influence. But you do. You literally (laughs) have like... 10k downloads on this podcast like in a few weeks like it's insane yeah you have major influence and like I I don't think you need to say my job is an influencer when you first meet people because I do think you have like multiple facets of your career that could be interesting and you can kind of like tailor that to whoever you're speaking to but at the same time like if you're in 
a place where you feel like telling people your job as an influencer would benefit you, mm. then I think you should definitely <laughs> own that. I mean, I have no problem doing that. It's just, yeah. maybe it's just like an identity crisis thing because I I feel, it doesn't feel right for me to call myself an influencer for some reason. I don't feel like I am one. Yeah. Not in a, I don't think I'm good enough to be one kind of way, like not in an imposter syndrome kind of way. Just, it doesn't feel like a match for me personally. Yeah. And I think it's funny, like the reason I wanted to do this episode in the first place is because like a couple months ago, I posted on my story a Q&A about like what annoys you about influencers. Mm. And I've never gotten so many responses. Wait, I'm so interested to know. I have never gotten so many responses to anything I've ever posted. Like people couldn't wait to be like, oh, this, 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 mm. and this. And I was just like, so then I asked them, do you guys consider me an influencer? Mm-hmm. And it was like 70% said yes and like 30% said no. And I was like, okay, so I guess I am. Yeah. <laughs> like You <I> are. <laughs> you are. I guess I am. Um, but yeah, I just think people are so interested in like the insides of it because I don't think a lot of people or influencers really tell people like what it's like. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why people are so like, well, what's really going on in there? And like, is it just an easy job? Like similar to modeling what pe- where people just think, oh, you just look pretty and it's not hard and it's not hard work mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, I don't know. If I was not an influencer, I would be so annoyed by influencers. <laughs> and I know I would be so annoyed by influencers because like I have so much flexibility. I get to travel like a all around the world for free. I get to work with my favorite brands. Like I, my, I have a dream job, like actually a dream job. And like people will say there are, you know, there are hard parts and there are cons and there are things that are difficult. Sometimes it is a job at the end of the day, but like really very few cons (laughs) in my experience. And like, I would, that would just be so annoying if I was like working, you know, a corporate job and I was seeing that, I would just be like, you suck. <laughs> like, you're so annoying for that, you know? Yeah. So I get it. <laughs> I mean, I think that's why like, it was so funny to me to ask the question because I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to be offended by these answers, Yeah. but people are just so passionate about it. Like people hate influencers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they hate, 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 hate. Um, and honestly, yeah, I get it. It's, it's, I don't know. I think it is important to say it is a job and all jobs have good parts. All jobs have like crappy hard parts, whatever. Like it is at the end of the day, still a job, but like, it's a pretty good one. (laughs) Yeah. No, it, I mean, I think to me it's the best. So. Yeah. Um, I feel like we can't, like, this is what you were talking about earlier in the intro part. Like, I feel like we can't talk about influencing without talking about like race and the racial disparities with it because like for me obviously I try not to a ton compare myself to people Mm -hmm. but like it's very easy to fall into like comparing myself to people on TikTok and whatever instant success or whatever and it's just I just find it so interesting because I feel like on my for you page there's a lot of black creators that will be on there saying like it's just not fair and a lot of it isn't, and I, I can't prove it, but like the algorithm doesn't necessarily push people of color creators as much as it would someone that looks like you, or even like as far as pay disparities. Like, I'm so paranoid about 
me not getting paid as much as you get paid. Like even when like we've talked about this, like when we had the same deal with like Nike, I was like, how much did you get paid? Because I am paranoid that I'm always getting shorted Mm -hmm. and that I'll never even know. I think it's also so much harder like in this field because there's no transparency when it comes to like reads. That's what it is. And it's such a wild, wild west that it's like (laughs) you just – have no clue unless, like, you're talking to your friends about it. Um, so I'm, like, so happy to have friends that are, like, very transparent about yeah. it. But it is, like, it is really hard. And it is an industry that you always are kind of thinking to yourself, like, could I be, like, asking for more? Yeah. Like, how much is my work really worth and all of that? So, like, it does get difficult in that way. Um, to like decide what your rates are going to be. I also think to your point about like the algorithm, when you think about it, it's like that algorithm, yes, it's a piece of technology, but it was built by a human being and there is human bias in it. And then again, like the person who's consuming the content is also a human and they have biases. So it's like that, it's just a reflection of, the world that we live in that is like inherently benefits white people more. Yeah. And therefore it it benefits white creators more. Um and so like even the the discussion around Alex Earl has been so interesting because it is like how could there be another blonde, <laughs> blue-eyed like white girl just like rise to fame so quickly when like there Ha, like there are other creators who have used that format for so the get ready with me format for so long and just like have not seen that success. And I just like could imagine that would be so, so, so frustrating. Yeah. And it's just super discouraging too, because it's almost like this is an area, every area, an aspect of life, mm-hmm. like race affects me in every single aspect, every job, everything I do. So it's just like, on the one hand, I'm like, okay, this is, this is kind of my normal. Like, I understand it's not going to be fair. That sucks, but like, it's not. Um, but then it's like, you you want to create content that you really like and that you're passionate about and that is fun for you. And then I could literally compare myself to someone who has the exact same number of followers and does the exact same kind of content. And we post at the exact same time. And like, it's just so clear then that it's, I can't, there's nothing I can do about it. Like, it's not me. Yeah. And it just sucks because I do see a lot of that come across like my For You page where black creators will be like, this is, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I also <laughs> it's think just discouraging. The, the hardest part also, not the hardest, but another very difficult part about it is that like it started off as this conversation where it was like, oh my gosh, it's this technology where anyone from anywhere with any like socioeconomic background, any race, whatever can like become successful. That's what social media and influencing is. And then when you like actually look at the reality of it, that's just not the case. And like there is still racism and like it benefits creators a lot if they come from a family with money so that they can like focus on creating content right out of school and all of that stuff. So like All of those benefits are still baked into becoming an influencer, Um, even though, like, 
objectively, like anyone can post a video and blow up, mm-hmm. but like the all of the actual um, like infrastructure around it is still the same, and the person consuming that content still has those biases. So like, and still is living in a world that is like in a society that, that benefits white people more. So it's just like, it's not the, the dream that was sold about like social media being this level playing field is just not true. And I think it's harder because it was kind of like sold to, people in that way. Yeah, it's never a, le- a level playing field, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and I do think that I personally have a lot more opportunities given to me as a black woman in this space because I was on a TV show. Like I have seen creators talk about like just the difference of people that are invited to events or get brand deals with certain certain designers or whatever. And they're like, the people in the room that are deciding who's on this list or who gets this job, it's like, no offense, a mediocre white creator versus like a black reality star. Like it's it's never like, it's not, it's not even. Yeah. And like the people that get invited. So it's like a lot of times I go to places and events and dinners and like I'm one of a couple of black people there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just think about how hard it would have been or it is for other black creators to break into this. Had had I not been on a show, I know I wouldn't have been there. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you feel like, if anything, hopefully something, but like, do you feel like you personally are doing anything to kind of like help bridge that gap with? Yeah, I your, mean. I don't know. Just having privilege, you know? Like, do yeah. you feel like... Um, I think there's like, I think there's certain, I think there's a certain responsibility that white creators have to like look at the brands they're working with. And if that brand is only working with (laughs) other white creators that look exactly like me, that's probably not a brand that I want to support and work with. Right. So I think it's like in choosing the brands that I work with, I need to also think about like who which creators they're supporting. Um, And like hopefully I'm working with brands that are inclusive in that way. Yeah. Um, Okay, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll do Chell It Like It Is advice. Okay, this is the advice segment where we Chell It Like It Is. So the first question I wanted to be about influencing and... The question is, how do you break into influencing? I think so many people want to be influencers now because, as we've said, it is a really great job. Um, and I came from a place where I kind of just fell into being an influencer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think people would love to hear from you kind of what do you think are the best tips that you could give someone to start? Yeah, I think number one, I mean, first off, this is a difficult question for me because Again, I've been doing this for so long and like sometimes I feel like if you have been doing something for a really long time, like you just get into a routine, it kind of becomes stale at times. So like I need to constantly be like trying these tips myself. But I will say like number one, I think it's really important to like 
choose a platform and like really go in on that platform. So I do think like as a creator, you should diversify and like you should have a TikTok, you should have an Instagram, like you should think about long form content or even like YouTube shorts. Think about all those platforms. And then ideally you want to have something that's like just yours. So whether that be a website or a podcast or something that's like yours specifically that you own. Then I think like from all of those platforms, you should choose one that like you are just the most committed to. So like I have friends that are huge on TikTok and they'll post on Instagram once or twice a week. Like they're just not, it's just not as much their platform, super focused on TikTok, like posting one to two videos a day. Um, And I think that is like a great strategy for growth because eventually like they're growing on TikTok and those people are going to, you know, transfer over to their other platforms. Number two, I think like you you should have something that you're super passionate about and you should have a niche, but like it doesn't have to be something that's like, I think it started with this idea that it's like you need to like be doing something that like no one else is doing. Like you need to be so niche down that you're like creating videos about ASMR pottery and like that's your thing and like that like no one else can own that besides you but like at the end of the day once somebody becomes successful at something and they gain a follow a, a following from doing that niche activity people will copy you so like you just can't own that and so i think it's really more about like connecting with your audience and i do, i don't think like the niching down idea is really as successful anymore as it like used to be or just like used to be talked about in that way. Because even if we look at like huge creators now, like people that I've been following for my whole life basically are people like Sarah's Day on YouTube or like uh, Remy Ashton on YouTube and they do like super lifestyle content, like, like very copyable, I guess. Mm. And it's just because, and I've been following them forever because of their personalities and because like, I love their story. So I think it's like less about, I just think it's less about like the idea that you have to have this like crazy idea that no one else has ever done before to like be successful. Yeah. That's really good advice because I think that people get in their heads about like, okay, well, what's going to make my page different if I'm just talking about myself or doing get ready with me's or like, I don't know, even me with this podcast, I'm like, there's so many podcasts. Like, should I even start a podcast? Like if you think about, if you think like that about everything, then you'll never start anything. Yeah. (laughs) And I also, again, like to your point from before, I think it's important to like not put so much pressure on having success right away. Like, especially when you're doing something like a podcast or like a newsletter, a website, blog, anything like that, like that's going to take a long time to build an audience because it's not just being like pushed out to random people like a reel or a TikTok would be. Mm -hmm. And so like give yourself grace to be like, this is the content that I like making and I like sharing. And so I'm going to share it and make it. 
And like, if I'm just like throwing it into a void and literally two people see it for a while, that's okay. And like, hopefully those two people will tell two people and like (laughs) send it around and then like it will snowball over time. Yeah. I think that would probably be my advice too, because, and it's advice to myself, just make content that you enjoy making Mm -hmm. and stop worrying about the numbers because it's not going to be instant gratification for everyone. Some Mm -hmm. people on their very first TikTok had 8 million views and get 100,000 followers. Like that does happen. I think people hold on to seeing that happen and be like, I could be that success story too. But that's the minority of people. We only just see see that everywhere because everyone on our For You page is a viral video. Mm-hmm. So make content that you really enjoy making and the right people will find you. Mm-hmm. Like you just have to be confident in it and just keep putting it up because if you start making stuff that you think people want to watch or like just because you saw somebody else do it, it's not, it's never going to come off as genuine and people won't follow you for that. Like yeah. people can tell when you're being genuine. And if you ask any creators that are successful, like when I went to the Forbes creator event, one of the questions that the moderator asked was like, how did you get started or whatever? And it's like, some people were doing, for example, like, oh, if I was doing fashion videos for two years and then as soon as I pivoted and just started talking straight to the camera or doing something that I actually really liked, like I just posted it for me, that's when I took off. Yeah. So just, it's so freaking cliche, but like you just have to be yourself and like the stuff that you're putting up. Mm -hmm. And to teach myself a lesson, like I've turned off, I turn off likes not because I'm like embarrassed of my likes. I turn off my likes. I turn off everybody else's likes so that I don't compare myself to people. I stopped looking at insights, like unless I have to for work. Mm-hmm. But I stopped looking at all sorts of metrics because now I'm just like, I can just post whatever I want and not worry about if it got likes. Mm-hmm. I also think there's another side to that though, where it's like you do have to be responsive to your audience. And like for me, like I might post a type of video on TikTok, like a get ready with me style. And it just like won't do well over several videos. And if I'm looking at the comments and people are like, well, you know, what, after you put on all this makeup and are like talking to us forever, like, what are you actually wearing? Or like something like that. Then I might have to be like, okay, maybe I should be making videos actually about like what I'm wearing instead of just like sitting here doing my makeup. Mm. So I think like it's important to not criticize yourself if a video doesn't do well, but like also if there's little comments that are like leading you into the direction of like what people want from you and you're also interested in like trying that and curious about trying that direction, then like go with it and see what happens. Yeah. It's kind of just like throwing things against the wall until something sticks. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I definitely, I mean, I still read comments and listen to like what people are saying and wanting. Mm -hmm. Um, Just there's a fine line between like obsessing over it and listening to it. Yeah. And then. And overall, my advice for that is like, just try it. Because like, if you have a little bit of curiosity, like it, it's again, like for me, the best job in the world. So like, just try it. If you hate it or like you end up just like doesn't work for you for some reason, then you move on. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask one more question to give people advice. So everyone always is asking how to meet guys or girls, um, but like how to meet people and how to start dating outside of the apps. Because like 
people hate the apps, but then we all end up getting back on them because we don't feel like there's another option. So are you dating right now? And how are you meeting these people? I am dating. Um, I feel like I'm like literally the only person from our season who hasn't had a boyfriend since the show, which is like so sad. Okay, that was... But <laughs> um, but yes, I am dating. Um, and... I for the past year, I the only people that I've dated are people that I've met not from an app. So congrats. <laughs> in like literally walk, walking down the street, like at a coffee shop, you know, at a club, like through friends, etc. That's how like I've met everyone that I've dated in the past year. So I feel like that's an accomplishment. But I also think that I've, like, learned a few things about putting myself out there. Um, Number one, it's, like, you should be building out your network of friends a little bit because once you're meeting, like, more girlfriends or whatever or just, like, more people and they're in relationships that you admire, ask those people, like, oh, like, do you have any friends that you think I would be a good match with? Whatever. And, like, put yourself out there, go on a date with that random person. Like, in the beginning of this year, one of my friends set me up with this guy who was, like, 10 years older than me. I was like, I don't know what's going on here. Like, I don't know if I'm going to like him, whatever. Ended up dating him for a few months, like, had a fun time. We weren't a match, like, relationship-wise, like, at the end of it. But, like, that all happened, and I have that, good experience because I just asked. Um, So I think like number one, ask friends um, for setups, like if you're interested and also like not just like your closest friends, but like people you might meet at like a mixer or people that are a little bit further away from your like immediate friend group. Um, And then secondly, like I just say hi to people. Like, I just like, like I went on a date the other week with this guy because I was at a coffee shop taking pictures and like I was taking content. My mom was literally taking photos of me outside this coffee shop. Like so embarrassing. (laughs) Um, and this guy and his friend were like sitting outside at the coffee shop and they were like looking at us And I said to the one guy who I thought was cute, I was like, oh, I feel like I've seen you around the village before. (laughs) And he was like, oh, yeah, I live in the area, like, whatever. And then we got to chatting. Was that a full lie? Like, was that bullshit? I, like, kind of did think that maybe I did see him. But, like, at the same time, it was just, like, an opening line. Um, And then I ended up going on a date with him. I mean, I'm not dating him, but, like... (laughs) That it was because, like, I decided to, like, go out of my way and, like, make a little comment. So, I don't know. Put yourself out there. I think it is, like, a lot easier in New York than in other cities because you're just, like, so on top of each other. For sure. Um, So, I think, like, even my friends in LA, they're like, oh, my God, like, how is that possible? Like, I could never... Like, I just don't meet people in the wild like that. And I'm like, yeah, maybe you guys should be on apps. But, like, (laughs) in New York, it's so easy, I feel like. I feel like I'm always meeting people, like, out and about. Yeah. I mean, I think in our lives, in our 
jobs, like we do meet a lot of people and go to a lot of parties and stuff too. So that's probably easier than I guess the average person who's not out like every night, not yeah. every night, but like out at a lot of events. I, I will say I've never met a man that I went on a date with at an influencer <laughs> event. Let's just make that clear. <laughs> okay. True. Cause like they are uh, very female heavy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we do meet like, I mean, influencers have that I've met at events like that have set me up with their friends. Okay, exactly. So there we go. So it's really about making friends then. It really is. It really is about building out your network, I feel like. And because I'm from here, number one, and because I have a very social job, I feel like my network is just huge. So I'm like always meeting people and like People know that I'm single very publicly, unfortunately. So, like, people will be like, oh, kid, I have someone that you might want to go on a date with. It's not unfortunate if you keep getting dates because of it. Yeah, true. Um, that's great advice, putting yourself out there always. Everyone's not, like, as bold, but I don't know. Sometimes I think the you look familiar thing, that's an easy, so easy, easy. Yeah. So you easy. You can do that anywhere, at a bar, even, lie. It doesn't yeah, matter. It really doesn't matter. Pretend. Yeah. Um, my advice would be don't put so much pressure on yourself with the dating thing. I, I feel like I should have given myself this advice like five years ago, but I think I'm I'm not a casual dater. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times like I would go on a first date or like it would take so long to even find someone I wanted to go on a first date with that by the time I did, it's like, I was that girl that's like on the first date thinking like he could be my husband. Like everyone is not going to be your husband. Everyone's not going to be the one. And that's okay. Like it's okay to just have fun dating and go out with people and meet new people and learn about yourself, what you want, what you don't want, whatever. Like that's kind of the beauty of it. And that's the part that like I was, it was fully going over my head because I was just like, I don't date to date. Like if he's not going to be my person, like I don't want it, but it's like, that part can be really fun and you're learning things about yourself Mm -hmm. along the way. It's also good practice just like in life and in having conversations with people because like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't like just going on a first date with like a random person and like having to chat with them. It's hard. Like it's very difficult. But the fact that like I do it pretty often, like, you know, I went on probably like, six or seven first dates this past year. That's a lot for me. And like, so I think like doing that pretty often and pretty consistently is like, it's good practice just for like putting yourself out there and like being comfortable with yourself and having, being a good conversationalist. Yeah. I feel like you've grown a lot too, because when we first started hanging out, like you didn't like to go out that much. Like you went through your fake, I don't know if you're still doing this, but like you were purposely pushing yourself to be more extroverted and go out more. And like, you weren't going out on a lot of dates. So that has changed so much. Like I don't even know what, like, (laughs) I don't know what was happening, man. I think part of it was like, I was in this headspace where I was like, I need to be like, perfect and like super healthy and like only surrounding myself with like high value people and all that. I don't know. I was just like in this very just restrictive mindset in like all areas of my life. And so I just like was not enjoying socializing or going out for that reason. Yeah. And I feel like in the past year, like I've just realized like I'm 23 
and I need to like enjoy this time. And I, I see it so much online too, where it's like, there's these young people who are like staying in for January or like doing 75 hard and like whatever. And I'm like, I literally have my entire life to like do stuff like that. And if that stuff makes you feel good, amazing, like go for it. Again, I went through that phase, but like looking back on it now, I'm like, I just wish I was like being a little bit more messy. Mm. Like being messy sucks sometimes when I like wake up and I'm like, oh my God, I like should not have had that extra dirty martini last (laughs) night. But like, I'm so happy that like I can be messy during this time a little bit because like that's how I'm meeting people and that's how I'm like growing as a person and becoming like learning more about myself, I guess. Yeah. And I love that evolution for you because I feel like because you're so well-spoken and mature and like grew up in New York, like even I forget how young you are sometimes. Mm -hmm. And like when you just said you're 23, I'm just like, this is prime messy time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like I'm so happy you like decided that and you're like, okay, I'm going to be messy now because People are still doing them when they're 33 and it's like not as cute. But. And also like, don't you want good stories <laughs> yeah. to like tell your kids one day and like all of that? Like, I, I don't know. I want good stories. Like my mom moved to New York like and started her business and was like living alone and like has crazy stories about partying in New York and stuff <laughs> like that that I like love hearing. And I mean, honestly, she's kind of still doing it. <laughs> but like I... I want that for myself too. Like I don't want to just like be boring all through my 20s and then like (laughs) get married and have kids and then be boring again. (laughs) Like I just want good, crazy experiences, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, Kit, you have been a pleasure. I'm so happy that you were my first in-studio guest. I do like to ask all my guests if there's anything you want to be vulnerable about. So... What's what's the tea today? What do you want to be vulnerable about? I feel like this one is very timely, but I've been thinking a lot about how like January, there's it's such like a hit the ground running type of month and everyone is like getting after their goals and there has been like pretty much every year since high school, January has been that for me. Like I'm like setting goals you know, meeting deadlines, like resolutions, all of that. And like this year, I just like could not get it together in the same way. And I was speaking to one of my friends and she was like, I literally feel like I'm crawling into the new year. Like (laughs) I am definitely not hitting the ground running. And I was like, yes, I can relate. Um, So I was having like a little bit of a hard time with it because I was just like, I want to be, you know, getting after it. But I think one thing that I had to think about was like our job, December is like literally the most intense time Mm -hmm. for work ever. And I was just like barely meeting deadlines and like running around with like a chicken with my head cut off and like events and holiday and all of that stuff. And so, like, once it got to be January, I was like, I need to sleep for, like, and I need to hibernate for a little bit. Yeah. And so I saw this video that was, like, this girl, and she was like, honestly, I think I need a little bit of hibernation time, like, for the winter. And then, like, spring, 
I will set resolutions and like get after it. And that's kind of how she was saying that's how like nature intended it to be. (laughs) And I don't know if that's me just like reading into something so that I can be a little less hard on myself. But I think I like have realized that I'm, you know, I'm still working. I still have things to look forward to, but I'm just like, I've slowed down a little bit. Um, this month, and I think that's okay, and I'm just like, trying to accept that. Yeah, I feel the same way. If it makes you feel any better, like I feel like when I started 2022, I genuinely felt like an energy refresh. Like I was like, oh my god, I feel so good. Like I made a goals list. I did all this stuff, and then like this year, and maybe it was like I had a bunch of partnerships for holiday too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was at home in Atlanta at my mom's house, and I just felt like sluggish. Like I just didn't yeah. feel like. Here we go, new year, new, and I usually love new beginnings. Like I even love Mondays because I'm like every Monday is like a new week. Like that's why I wanted to start the podcast on Mondays. Like I just like having something to look forward to. But I don't know, January just wasn't it for me. Yeah, <laughs> for me this year either. Um, and I saw your TikTok where you were like, the last thing I could think about doing right now is making a fucking vision board. <laughs> Dude, I can't. No, I can't. <laughs> I'm also like New York is also hard right yeah. now because it's like freezing and like raining every day and whatever. So I'm just like, I like, I'm just like, I'm trying to like take care of myself and work out and like get out of bed. Like (laughs) I cannot be making a vision board right now. Yeah. So if anyone listening feels the same way, it's okay. Yeah. February is a new month too. February is a new month. And like, also like if the winter is just more of like your, like, chill time yeah and then like spring is like spring to me always feels like this major surge of energy even like walking down the street (laughs) it's just like people are so happy and like there's this crazy energy so I feel like I might need another like reset button then yeah um and right now I'm just like I'm trying to think of it less as like this is my chance to decide what the rest of my year looks like mm. and just be like, okay, this is what my next month looks like right now. Yeah. You know? I feel like the theme of this whole episode has been like, everyone stop being so hard on yourself. <laughs> yeah. And like, just take it day by day, yeah. like one foot in front of the other. It's okay. Yeah. Baby steps, you yeah. know? I could literally sit here and talk to you all day, but Same. we got to wrap it up. Um, tell everyone where they can find you and anything you want to plug. <laughs> Well, number one, I just want to say I'm so proud of you. Aww. And I'm so honored to be the first guest in studio. Oh, thank you. Um, and you guys can find me on TikTok and on Instagram at Kit Keenan. And you guys can find me at Chelsea Vaughn and at Chelsea Vaughn underscore on TikTok. And we're going to have video content now, now that we're in the studio. So, so you're going to get to see our little cute faces. And hopefully I'll be on, you know, TikTok and YouTube shorts and all the places. So you guys, so you guys <laughs> I've been talking for an hour. So you guys can watch this entire episode on video. But thank you guys for being here and listening. Please rate the podcast. And we will see you guys next week. Yay! Oh my God, yeah. so fun. Oh my God, you were so great.